You're listening to the Restless Wanderer podcast by Paul Coulter, and this is part one of a series in Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy chapter one, verse one. These are the words that Moses spoke to all Israel beyond the Jordan in the wilderness, in the Arabah opposite Suf, between Paran and Tophel, Laban, Hazaroth, and Dizahab. It is eleven days' journey from Horeb by the way of Mount Seir to Kadesh Barnea. In the fortieth year, on the first day of the eleventh month, Moses spoke to the people of Israel according to all that the Lord had given him in commandment to them, after he had defeated Sihon, the king of the Amorites, who lived in Heshbon, and Og, the king of Bashan, who lived in Ashtaroth and in Edrei. Beyond the Jordan, in the land of Moab, Moses undertook to explain this law, saying, The Lord our God said to us in Horeb, You have stayed long enough at this mountain. Turn and take your journey and go to the hill country of the Amorites and to all their neighbours in the Arabah, in the hill country, and in the lowland, and in the Negev, and by the sea coast, the land of the Canaanites, and Lebanon as far as the great river, the river Euphrates. See, I have set the land before you. Go in and take possession of the land that the Lord swore to your fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, to give to them and to their offspring after them. We'll pause the reading after verse 8 of Deuteronomy chapter 1. Now I confess as I begin this series that I have never before preached on Deuteronomy, or at least preached through the whole book of Deuteronomy. I have preached on parts of the book, but uh, as I visit various churches and preach, I don't often get asked to preach from Deuteronomy until fairly recently. Uh, I was asked in one church to to share from Deuteronomy and uh, I can't remember the last time before that that I was. And that's perhaps a little bit unusual or strange because the Lord Jesus quoted often from the book of Deuteronomy. It was one of two Old Testament books together with Psalms that he regularly quoted from. And perhaps most significantly when he was tempted in the desert by Satan uh, he quoted the, uh, the the book of Deuteronomy each time in response to Satan's temptations. So Deuteronomy ought to be precious to us. It is a book that contains a lot of guidance and wisdom about what it means to trust in God and to live for God. And the passage that we've just read sets it in its historic setting. The nation of Israel has come close to the border of the promised land. They're just on the other side of the Jordan River in the country of Moab. Uh, And they're soon going to cross over and come into the promised land. Moses is still alive, but he's towards the end of his life. In fact, uh, that's one of the things that Deuteronomy will talk about. And he is presenting the law that God had given to him 40 years earlier at Mount Sinai or Horeb, as he calls it in this passage. He's uh, presenting that law to a new generation of Israelites. So he had... uh, of course, passed that on directly to the first generation who came out of Egypt. And this is their children, all of the adults, those who were responsible adults when they came out of Egypt, other than Moses and uh, Joshua and Caleb, who were the two spies, if you remember. They sent 12 spies into the land and only two came back with a report that uh, trusted in God to deliver the land to them. 
and uh, those two spies, Caleb and Joshua, were allowed to enter into the land. But um, the rest of the adults at the time, 40 years earlier, are, are dead, and the new generation is going to come in and take possession of the land. So Moses uh, repeats the law of God to them. And to that, he adds that there will be curses or blessings depending on whether they obey. So Deuteronomy is constantly challenging us to decide whether we will trust in God or whether we will worship other gods. Will we love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul and mind uh, and obey him? And if we do, there will be blessing. Or will we follow and serve other gods, disobeying God, of course, and bringing curses upon ourselves? The book contains five uh, passages of Moses' words. So Moses is the, the dominant character here, but those are surrounded by little snippets of introductions um, and conclusions by the editor of the book. So uh, the book is traditionally uh, understood and is claimed, of course, itself to be the words of Moses. We trust that and accept it as such. These are the words that Moses actually spoke but there are a few little sections that are clearly not written by Moses, not least because the book talks about the death of Moses. So the first five verses of chapter one uh, are clearly written by an editor, not Moses. They introduce the setting and tell us that Moses is about to speak. And then from verse six of chapter one through to uh, verse 40 of chapter four, we have Moses' first speech, a block of teaching. And then some comments from the editor in chapter 4, verses 41 to 49. Then Moses' second speech from chapter 5 right through to chapter 28, a lengthy section. And then uh, a pretty short comment by the editor in the first verse of chapter 29 before Moses' third speech, which is the rest of chapter 29 and chapter 30. Then the editor speaks again in chapter 31, the first 29 verses. And then we have a song of Moses in chapter 31, verse 30 to 32, verse 47. Then the editor speaks again, verses 48 to 52 of chapter 32. And then Moses gives a blessing uh, in chapter 33 and the editor writes chapter 34. So five sections of uh, Moses, words of Moses, three speeches or sermons of varying lengths, a song and a blessing. So where are we? Well, the writer, as I say, of the, the editor gives us uh, quite a number of geographic locations. You might want to open a, a Bible and uh, look up those locations. It's always worthwhile doing that. It reminds us that this is in a real uh, historic location, real places, real times. We've got dates here as well, the 40th year and the first day of the 11th month. Moses speaks to the people. Now, of course, uh, the reference to the 40th year is a reminder that the Israelites have been traveling for 40 years, uh, a journey that really they should have been able to do in 11 days. But because God uh, would not allow that first generation to enter the promised land, he kept them traveling in the desert. And we'll see uh, more about that in the rest of this first chapter of Deuteronomy. And Deuteronomy, as I've said already, has been described as uh, preached law. That's uh, how Chris Wright, um, Old Testament commentator, describes it. 
law that's explained with prophetic urgency, divine authority and a preacher's clarity. So Moses is preaching to the people before they enter the land with a degree of urgency. Uh, they have had some victories. Verse 4 describes that. The king Sihon of the Amorites and Og of Bashan had been defeated on the east of the Jordan. But of course the great challenge is before them. They're going to go into the promised land. And God had told them to go to the promised land. The land is going to be given to them that had been sworn to their ancestors, to Abraham, Isaac and Jacob five or six hundred years earlier. Or four or five hundred years, I should say, earlier, depending on your understanding of the dating. And so God is going to deliver that land to them. Let's read on then in Deuteronomy 1 verse 9. At that time I said to you, I am not able to bear you by myself. The Lord your God has multiplied you, and behold, there are today, you are today as numerous as the stars of heaven. May the Lord, the God of your fathers, make you a thousand times as many as you are, and bless you as he has promised you. How can I bear by myself the weight and burden of you and your strife? Choose for your tribes wise, understanding and experienced men, and I will appoint them as your heads. And you answered me, the thing that you have spoken is good for us to do. So I took the heads of your tribes, wise and experienced men, and set them as heads over you, commanders of thousands, commanders of hundreds, commanders of fifties, commanders of tens, and officers throughout your tribes. And I charged your judges at that time, hear the cases between your brothers, and judge righteously between a man and his brother, or the alien who is with him. You shall not be partial in judgment. You shall hear the small and the great alike. You shall not be intimidated by anyone, for the judgment is God's. And the case that is too hard for you, you shall bring to me and I will hear it. And I commanded you at that time all the things that you should do. And we'll pause there after verse 18 of Deuteronomy 1. And here Moses is recounting how he uh, appointed leaders throughout the nation of Israel, how he brought order to them in uh, the governance of the nation as it was now a large nation of people uh, and the, the principles that he established that the judges were to be fair, they weren't to be partial, they were to hear everyone equally. Of course this is the great principle of justice or equality amongst the people of God. Every person had dignity, every person's voice had to be heard, every individual had equal weight. That's a, a radical idea which God has given to the Israelites and of course uh, carries over into the New Testament as well. It's still valued in our culture today, that idea of equality and the dignity of each individual, but perhaps we've forgotten where it came from, from the Bible. Uh, no one was to intimidate the judges either because the judgment is God's. They were to be accountable to him. But Moses would oversee their work and they could bring difficult cases to him. Let's read on then, Deuteronomy 1 verse 19. Then we set out from Horeb and went through all that great and terrifying wilderness that you saw on the way to the hill country of the Amorites, as the Lord our God commanded us. And we came to Kadesh, Bernia, and I said to you, You have come to the hill country of the Amorites, which the Lord our God is giving us. See, the Lord your God has set the land before you. Go up, take possession as the Lord, the God of your fathers, has told you. Do not fear or be dismayed. 
Then all of you came near me and said, Let us send men before us, that they may explore the land for us, and give us word again of the way by which we must go up and the cities into which we shall come. The thing seemed good to me, and I took twelve men from you, one man from each tribe. And they turned and went up into the hill country, and came to the valley of Eshgol, and spied it out. And they took in their hands some of the fruit of the land, and brought it down to us, and brought us word again, and said, It is a good land that the Lord our God is giving us. Yet you would not go up, but rebelled against the command of the Lord your God. And you murmured in your tents, and said, Because the Lord hated us, he has brought us up out of the land of Egypt, to give us into the hand of the Amorites to destroy us. Where are we going up? Our brothers have made our hearts melt, saying, The people are greater and taller than we. The cities are great and fortified up to heaven, and besides, we have seen the sons of the Anakim there. Then I said to you, Do not be in dread or afraid of them. The Lord your God, who goes before you, will himself fight for you, just as he did for you in Egypt before your eyes. And in the wilderness, where you have seen how the Lord your God carried you, as a man carries his son, all the way that you went until you came to this place. Yet in spite of this word, you did not believe the Lord your God, who went before you in the way to seek you out a place to pitch your tents, in fire by night and in the cloud by day, to show you by what way you should go. Let's pause after verse 40, 33 of Deuteronomy 1. Again, Moses is recounting history to them and how they grumbled against God uh, when they uh, didn't enter the land that God had given. They didn't trust that God could deliver them and that he would be delivered despite Moses' assurance that God would fight for them as he had done in, in Egypt. He had already uh, fought that way. Now, of course, one point to notice is that Moses is talking to this second generation as if those things had been said to them. And if many of them would have heard those things. They would have been children at that time. But really it was their parents who stood before God and were responsible to him. But this is a, an important theme in Deuteronomy. Moses addresses them as a nation as if it was the same people. Uh, and there's something about that in the, the word of God. That the word that was spoken to God's people in a former age is still spoken to God's people today. I live in the 21st century. I doubt that anybody will be listening this in a, listening to this in a later century, but uh, perhaps somebody might stumble upon it somewhere in some archive if uh, the data doesn't get destroyed. But there were many people who lived in previous centuries before me, and people preached to them the word of God, the same scriptures that I have in my hands. It might have been in a slightly different translation into English, but still people preached to them. They heard it as God's word. I hear it as God's word. The word of God is living and active. It's not just that God spoke to a previous generation of Christians. He speaks to us the same words. And the word of God does not change. It doesn't uh, vary over the centuries. Uh, and so even across one generation, uh, Moses can say to them, you saw, you saw. We live in a, an ahistoric age, an age when people don't put much weight on history. But as Christians, we ought to put weight on history. We stand in continuity with previous generations of believers. And in a sense, what God has said to those generations, he said to us. 
And he could say to us, I told you, I showed you these things. Are we listening? Well, the Israelites on the verge of the promised land the first time round didn't listen. In spite of Moses' words, they didn't believe the Lord their God. Verse 32, despite the fact that God had led them through the wilderness. So, verse 34 of Deuteronomy 1. And the Lord heard your words and was angered, and he swore, Not one of the, these men of this evil generation shall see the good land that I swore to give your fathers, except Caleb, the son of Jephunneh. He will see it, and to him and to his children I will give the land on which he has trodden, because he has wholly followed the Lord. Even with me the Lord was angry on your account, and said, You also shall not go in there. Joshua, the son of Nun, who stands before you, he shall enter. Encourage him, for he shall cause Israel to inherit it. And as for your little ones, who you said would become a prey, and your children, who today have no knowledge of good or evil, they shall go in there. And to them I will give it, and they shall possess it. But as for you, turn and journey into the wilderness in the direction of the Red Sea. Then you answered me. We have sinned against the Lord. We ourselves will go up and fight just as the Lord our God commanded us. And every one of you fastened on his weapons of war and thought it easy to go up into the hill country. And the Lord said to me, Say to them, Do not go up or fight, for I am not in your midst, lest you be defeated before your enemies. So I spoke to you and you would not listen, but you rebelled against the command of the Lord and presumptuously went up into the hill country. Then the Amorites who lived in that hill country came out against you and chased you as bees do and beat you down in Seir as far as Horma. And you returned and wept before the Lord, but the Lord did not listen to your voice or give ear to you. So you remained at Kadesh for many days, the days that you remained there. We'll pause our reading there at the end of Deuteronomy 1 and just a very brief comment to say that the Israelites rebelled against God in two different ways. On the one hand, they in fear, or at least they claim to be in fear of uh, the strong people of the land of Canaan. So on one hand, they, they wouldn't go because of fear. But then when God uh, told them that he would judge them, they said, no, we will go. And they went in arrogance. And the important point is here, there are two ways to disobey God, either through uh, utter rebellion against him, refusal to obey, or through presumption, presuming that God must bless us and provide for us and protect us uh, whenever we uh, decide to go in his name, which is putting the Lord to the test. So we mustn't uh, go either ahead of God or fall behind God. We must trust him step by step, go each moment in obedience to him. That's the lesson of Deuteronomy. That's the call of the life of faith. Let's read on then into Deuteronomy chapter 2. Verse 1. Then we turned and journeyed into the wilderness in the direction of the Red Sea, as the Lord told me, and for many days we travelled around Mount Seir. Then the Lord said to me, You have been travelling around this mountain uh, country long enough. Turn northwards and command the people. You are about to pass through the territory of your brothers, the people of Esau, who live in Seir, and they will be afraid of you. So be very careful. Do not contend with them, for I will not give you any of their land. No, not so much as for the sole of the foot to tread on, because I have given Mount Seir to Esau as a possession. You shall purchase food from them for money that you may eat, 
and you shall also buy water of them for money that you may drink. For the Lord your God has blessed you in the work of your hands. He knows you're going through this great wilderness. These 40 years the Lord your God has been with you. You've lacked nothing. So we went on away from our brothers, the people of Esau, who lived in Seir, away from the Arabah road from Elath and Ezion-Geber. And we turned and went in the direction of the wilderness of Moab. And the Lord said to me, Do not harass Moab or contend with them in battle, for I will not give you any of their land for a possession, because I have given Ar to the people of Lot for a possession. The Emim formerly lived there, a people great and many and tall as the Anakim. Like the Anakim, they are also counted as Rephaim, but the Moabites call them Emim. The Horites also lived in Seir formerly, but the people of Esau deposed them and destroyed them from before them and settled in their place, as Israel did to the land of their possession, which the Lord gave to them. Now rise up and go over the brook Zered. So we went over the brook Zered, and the time from our leaving Kadesh Barnea until we crossed the brook Zered was thirty-eight years, until the entire generation, that is, the men of war, had perished from the camp, as the Lord had sworn to them. For indeed, the hand of the Lord was against them to destroy them from the camp until they had perished. So, as soon as all the men of war had perished and were dead from among the people, the Lord said to me, Today you are to cross the border of Moab at Ar, and when you approach the territory of the people of Ammon, do not harass them or contend with them, for I will not give you any of the land of the people of Ammon as a possession, because I have given it to the sons of Lot for a possession. It is also counted as a land of Rephaim. Rephaim formerly lived there, but the Ammonites called them Zamzumim, a people great and many and tall as the Anakim. But the Lord destroyed them before the Ammonites, and they dispossessed them and settled in their land. As he did for the people of Esau, who lived in Seir, when he destroyed the Horites before them, and they dispossessed them and settled in their place even to this day. As for the Avim, who lived in the villages as far as Gaza, the Kaftorim, who came from Kaftor, destroyed them and settled in their place. Rise up, set out on your journey, and go over the valley of the Arnon. Behold, I, am, I have given into your hand Sihon, the Amorite, king of Heshbon, and his land. Begin to take possession and contend with him in battle. This day I will begin to put the dread and fear of you on the peoples who are under the whole heaven, who shall hear the report of you and shall tremble and be in anguish because of you. So I sent messengers from the wilderness of Kedemoth to Sihon, the king of Heshbon, with words of peace, saying, Let me pass through your land. I will go only by the road. I will turn aside neither to the right nor to the left. You shall sell me food for money that I may eat, and give me water for money that I may drink. Only let me pass through on foot, as the sons of Esau, who live in Seir, and the Moabites, who live in Ar, did for me, until I go over the Jordan into the land that the Lord your God is giving to us. But Sihon, the king of Heshbon, would not let us pass by him. For the Lord your God hardened his spirit and made his heart obstinate, that he might give him into your hand, as he is this day. And the Lord said to me, Behold, I have begun to give Sihon and his land over to you. Begin to take possession, that you may occupy his land. Then Sihon came out against us, he and all his people, to battle at Jahaz. And the Lord our God gave him over to us, and we defeated him, and his sons, and all his people. 
and we captured all his cities at that time and devoted to destruction every city, men, women and children. We left no survivors. Only the livestock we took as spoil for ourselves with the plunder of the cities that we captured. From Arawar, which is in the edge of the valley of the Arnon, and from the city that is in the valley as far as Gilead, there was not a city too high for us. The Lord our God gave all into our hands. Only to the land of the sons of Ammon you did not draw near, that is, to the banks of the river Jabbok and the cities of the hill country, whatever the Lord our God had forbidden us. Then we turned and went up the way to Bashan, and Og, the king of Bashan, came out against us, he and all his people, to battle at Edrei. But the Lord said to me, Do not fear him, for I have given him and all his people and his land into your hand, and you shall do to him as you did to Sihon, the king of the Amorites, who lived at Heshbon. So the Lord our God gave into our hand Og also, the king of Bashan, Bashan, and all his people, and we struck him down until he had no survivor left. And we took all his cities at that time. There was not a city that we did not take from them. Sixty cities, the whole region of Argob, the kingdom of Og in Bashan. All these were cities fortified with high walls, gates and bars, besides very many unwalled villages. And we devoted them to destruction, as we did to Sihon, the king of Heshbon, devoting to destruction every city, men, women and children. But all the livestock and the spoil of the cities we took as our plunder. So we took the land at that time out of the hand of the two kings of the Amorites, who were beyond the Jordan, from the valley of the Arnon to Mount Hermon. The Sidonians call Hermon Syrian, while the Amorites call it Senir. All the cities of the table land and all Gilead and all Bashan, as far as Salakah and Edrei, cities of the kingdom of Og in Bashan. For only Og, the king of Bashan, was left of the remnant of the Rephaim. Behold, his bed was a bed of iron. Is it not in Rabbah of the Ammonites? Nine cubits was its length, and four cubits its breadth, according to the common cubit. When we took possession of this land at that time, I gave to the Reubenites and the Gadites the territory beginning at Arawar, which is on the edge of the valley of the Arnon, and half the hill country of Gilead with its cities. The rest of Gilead and all Bashan, the kingdom of Og that is in the region of Argob, I gave to the half-tribe of Manasseh. All that portion of Bashan is called the land of Rephaim. Jair the Manassite took all the kingdom of Argob, that is Bashan, as far as the border of the Geshurites and the Machathites, and called the villages after his own name, Havoth Jair, as it is to this day. To Machir I give, gave Gilead, and to the Reubenites and the Gadites I gave the territory from Gilead as far as the valley of the Arnon, with the middle of the valley as a border, as far over as the river Jabbok, the border of the Ammonites. The Arabah also, with the Jordan as the border from Chinnereth, as far as the Sea of the Arabah, the Salt Sea, under the slopes of Pisgah, on the east. And I commanded you at that time, saying, The Lord your God has given you this land to possess. All your men of valour will cross over armed before your brothers, the people of Israel. Only your wives, your little one, and your livestock, I know that you have much livestock, shall remain in the cities that I have given you, until the Lord gives rest to your brothers as to you. And they also occupy the land the Lord your God gives them beyond the Jordan. Then each of you may return to his possession which I have given you. 
and I commanded Joshua at that time, Your eyes have seen all the Lord your God has done to these two kings. So the Lord will do to all the kingdoms into which you are crossing. You shall not fear them, for it is the Lord your God who fights for you. We'll pause there after verse 22 of Deuteronomy chapter 3. So this is quite a, a lengthy account, but a detailed account of the victories of Israel over Sihon and Og uh, after they had travelled in the wilderness and how God delivered them, giving them confidence. The Some of that land was given to some of the Israelites. This is land east of the Jordan in the north of what would become Israel. Uh, that's where the half-tribe of Manasseh on the east side got their land in, in Gilead. Again, might be helpful to look at a, a map to see the distribution of the land of the, the tribes. And then Gad and Reuben got land uh, further south from that on the east side of the Jordan and of the Dead Sea. But notice again, God does not give them any of the land of the Ammonites or the uh, Edomites or the Moabites, these tribes that they were related to. Edomites descended from Esau, the twin brother of Jacob, and of course the Ammonites and the Moabites descended from the uh, daughters of, of Lot. Lot, uh, his daughters became pregnant by him, and those peoples were descended from Lot through his daughters. So God does not allow them to take their land, that land he has given to those different nations, but he does allow them to have victory over the Amorite kings Og and Sihon. And the tribes that are given this land must go over the river to fight for their brothers, the other tribes that will receive their inheritance on the west side of the River Jordan in the, the, the promised land proper. So here is God beginning to allot land to the Israelites. They're beginning to be able to, to settle down. But let's read the end of Deuteronomy chapter 3, starting at verse 23. And I pleaded with the Lord at that time, saying, O Lord God, you have only begun to show your servant your greatness and your mighty hand. For what God is there in heaven or on earth who can do such works and mighty acts as yours? Please let me go over and see the good land beyond the Jordan, that good hill country and Lebanon. But the Lord was angry with me because of you and would not listen to me. And the Lord said to me, Enough from you. Do not speak to me of this matter again. Go up to the top of Pisgah and lift up your eyes westwards and northwards and southwards and eastwards and look at it with your eyes, for you shall not go over this Jordan. But charge Joshua and encourage and strengthen him, for he shall go over at the head of this people, and he shall put them in possession of that land that you shall see. So we remained in the valley opposite Beth Peor. Now here is Moses uh, reminded that he will not be allowed to go into the promised land. Take a look at it from the mountaintop, Moses, but you will not cross the Jordan. Moses was barred from the promised land because he too became impatient with the Israelites and struck the rock to uh, uh, for water to come out. God graciously gave water to his people, but Moses had acted presumptuously. He had gone beyond the command of the Lord in the same way that the Israelites did when they went to fight without the Lord commanding them to do so. Um, so this is the setting for Deuteronomy. In the next episode, we'll get into chapter four, the beginning of Moses teaching properly. But here is the update on the situation for the people of Israel. They have seen God's victories. 
They've seen, as Moses says, what God has begun to show his uh, greatness and his mighty hand, giving this provision of land for the to the Israelites. Uh, but Moses will not be the one to lead them over the river, but he will be the one to prepare them for that by reminding them of God's law.